Welcome, this is Anthony Haynes, I'm Creative Director of Frontinus Limited. Welcome to the Grey Lit Cafe podcast brought to you by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus is a communications consultancy focused on engineering, infrastructure, sustainability and research. Welcome to this episode in which we focus on the subject of blogs as used in uh, science research and, and academia. And I'm delighted to say that today we're joined by two guests, both from Italy. They are Giovanni Salucci from University of Florence and his colleague Erica Paoletti. So welcome, Giovanni. Welcome, Erica. Well, thank you so much for having us today anthony well <laughs> we're really happy to be here <laughs> well it's a pleasure you're, you're our first first guest from italy so it's a a, a landmark for us so <laughs> let's uh, introduce the, the topic um you've researched the way that blogs are used in the world of science and academia and i think it would help just to provide a bit of context for our listeners for this discussion, just to ask you generally, uh, what have you discovered about this the use of blogs in academia and how, how widely used in, in universities do you think blogs are? Well, thank you again for having us and for asking these uh, questions. Academic blogs are also called scholarly blogs and have existed in a variety of forms since the 1990s and have been rapidly changing. Academic blogs content covers a wide spectrum of topics related to the academic world, such as academic culture critique, mm -hmm. research dissemination, academic practices, information, self-help, technical advice, mm -hmm. personal reflections, teaching and career advice. Wow, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot, right? <laughs> academic blogs can be split into two categories, personal blog and organizational blog. First, the personal blog is managed by a single academic. Mm -hmm. Academics use blogs to construct their identity, persona, as members of a disciplinary group to highlight their authority and expertise, as well as to increase their visibility and readership. Yep. Second, the organizational blog is maintained by an organization, such as an university, a department, a university press or library, yeah, a learning yeah. society, uh, a group of academics and researchers, or by the staff of a research project. The primary aim of an organization blog is to provide visibility to the organization and its ETF using many strategies. Each academic blog project can vary significantly in purpose, organization, and dimensions. So thank you. I think that does a great job in terms of characterizing the, the different types of blogs and how they have different goals or different purposes um, attached to them. What I'd like to do now is um, focus more closely on your own work in this area in relation to academic research blogs. And in particular, refer to a paper that you wrote for the journal scholarly publishing in fact the way that i came across your work was through this this paper in the journal of scholarly publishing which i by the way i have an affection for because many many years ago i published a paper in the same journal so i've, I've always known the journal and your paper which is um i'll give the, the um exact citation 
in the um, in the show notes, but it's from October 2023. And the title of the paper is The Quality Blog Proposal of a New Format in Lieu of Academic Research Blog. So there's a lot for us to uh, get our teeth into there. Can you let's start with the notion of the academic research blog, which you call ARB in, in your paper, ARB, academic research blog. What, what, what can you tell us about ARBs? What, what are their characteristics? OK, uh, academic research blog fall under the umbrella of organizational blog managed by institutions or groups of academics. Academic research blog are designed to present and disseminate the outcomes of scientific research across one or multiple disciplines. For instance, the London School of Economics Network consists of 40 diverse academic research blogs that have produced over 100,000 contributions wow. Wow. in a decade. Right. Uh, academic research blog aim to gain visibility, becoming recognized online as prominent entities in their respective disciplines. They engage in branding by sharing research results and fostering a community through discussions and comments. That brought us to asking further questions, mm. if I may, you know, because I worked previously at MIT Sloan School of Management. Right. So that got us both. Not only, you know, I was helping Giovanni writing the article for my English skills and we yes. got involved and um, got us thinking about the, the, the 38 top yeah. business school blogs. That's where it led us to go further. And because looking at the London School of Economics and these numbers, well, why asking further questions? So that was like, what about the rest of the top <laughs> the best in class yeah. business schools, yeah. you know. And as academics, we all like acronyms. We all like certain <laughs> things, right? <laughs> right. I, I think it's very interesting that you mentioned the LSE, the London School of Economics, because that was the first blog that I ever used to recommend to people in my training workshops. The LSE Impact Blog was called. And um, oh. uh, so LSE, I think, has, has got a particularly well-known your reputation in this area but it reminds me how far things have come because a friend of mine this would be probably um 10 years ago maybe 15 years ago she she was at a business school in the uk and she gave a workshop on how to write blogs and one of the experienced academics came along to the workshop a business school academic and said i don't think we need to bother about this this is just you know blogs are just not important and she actually said Academics don't write blogs. It's not something academics do. <laughs> well, I think we've come a long way. As you say, a hundred thousand contributions later, I think I think we've come a long way. Now we're really interested in showcasing innovation in grey literature. So we've done some great interviews with people like Mac Haggard and Cora Cole. And um, a major reason for uh, reaching out to you. Um, was because of your innovative thinking in this area. So I'd like now to focus on an innovation that you um, have proposed, particularly in the journal paper I mentioned earlier, which is the development of QBs, quality blogs. So the obvious question is, 
what's a quality blog? What what characterizes QBs? Quality blogs is the name we have chosen for a new format with a clear intent of highlighting the two fundamental aspects that denote its purpose. First, the instant digital strategies aiming to the communication and dissemination of results, typical of a blog. Second, a particular focus on the high quality standards of its content and the quality of the entire publication workflow. A quality blog is a new format of scientific publication that incorporates a set of 18 simultaneous mm. characteristics. Simplifying it, this format sits between an academic research blog post mm-hmm. and a scientific journal article. Yes. A quality blog harness the potential of blogs while integrating certain electronic and publishing requirements to ensure quality and address issue faced by academic research blog. I think that's fascinating. I think um, I'm particularly interested when you say there are 18 characteristics. What I would love to do is ask you to tell us about all 18 characteristics, but I think that would take a very long time and it might not be very fair of me. So could I ask you, instead of talking about all the 18, just uh, could I ask you to choose a couple of the characteristics of ARBs that you think are important and tell us about those. I will be happy to tell more briefly about uh, requirement uh, 12 and 16. Requirement 12 is about the standard of publication. It comprises uh, the required guidelines and policy necessary for the high quality publication. Mm. Covers all the steps involving checking and ensuring content suitability for publication, editorial service, and maintaining high quality in terms of text, graphics, and communication. Solvo involves fine-tuning metadata and licenses to authenticate copyright and permission for reuse, mm-hmm. ensuring content is mm-hmm. distributed while respecting intellectual property rights. Mm-hmm. All these guidelines and policy must be published, highlighted on the quality blog website. Requirement 16 mm-hmm. is dissemination and improvements. It is instead related to the promotion and dissemination of the results and establishes that metadata and persistent identifiers must be used, as is normally the case in scientific journal articles. Even more in detail, let's consider, for instance, the DOI, Digital Object Identifier. It's a unique code assigned to each contribution and registered with a registration agency to allow the persistent identification and access of the resource. Recent publications, corroborated by some experiments we conducted, demonstrate that registering a DOI with a comprehensive full set of metadata, coupled with an extensive set of metadata embedded in the HTML code of the pages, enhances indexing and positioning on Google for relevant article keywords. Mm. It guarantees greater visibility. As you know, mm. the DOI is widely used for journal articles and it is adopted by quality blog posts and it's used for citation too. Mm. 
It's fascinating. I wrote a white paper called something like um, Grey Literature, A Rising Tide, where I drew attention to these aspects of what I call intellective infrastructure. So something like um, digital digital object identifier, DOI. It's not the most exciting subject in the world. A lot of authors and editors don't really want to have to think about it. And they kind of think, well, that's someone else. Someone else has to deal with that. It's not really to do with me. But actually, it's <laughs> really, really important. And I like the fact you draw attention to it. The aspect of your work that interested me most was um, requirement 12 about standards, because I feel that universities often assume that what they're doing is high quality and they don't uh, I'm always surprised at the lack of standards in place to point to I think very often academic life lacks the set of standards that would help to assure quality so I, th- I think that's a really really welcome development so you you've very kindly characterized quality blogs and we talked earlier about the broader concept of the ARB, the academic research blog. So what's the distinction between QBs, quality blogs, and ARBs, academic research blogs? How 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 do you differentiate them? The article, I show a lot of difference between the two formats. Uh, for this conversation, we can say that uh, the quality blog represents an enhancement of the academic research blog bringing it closer to a scientific journal article. Mm, mm. The most notable difference is the technology platform. Uh, While traditional blogs use content management systems like WordPress or Drupal, quality blogs require electronic publishing platform, such as PubPub or Scholastica. This ensures automatic fulfillment of several quality blog criteria, like the use of persistent identifier Mm. and metadata, as well as long-term preservation. Other key distinction is the involvement of an external editorial service to enhance content quality and presentations. Well, I should say I like the last idea of the external editorial services because that's how uh, that's how my company makes lots of its money. So, <laughs> so, so there, could, there could be more money in in, in this for us. But uh, no, more, more more seriously, thank you. I think I think that differentiates QBs from ARBs in general very helpfully. So let me finish by just um, inviting you to sell us the idea. So I think you've made it very clear what the idea is. And incidentally, I'm really sympathetic to it. We published an episode recently by Mac Haggard uh, from University of Florida on the notion of scholarly podcasts. And I think this episode we're recording now is like a, a tandem piece, a, a diptych with 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 that um, piece, because in both cases, I think we move on from looking at digital text as just a sort of a supplementary text for for journal papers. And instead, what we say is, no, we we need fundamental alternatives. We need other options uh, rather than thinking journal paper is the gold standard and everything else is sort of playing around a bit. So I think I think both the notion of a scholarly podcast and the quality blog do that but let me invite you to sell the idea to us like why why are qbs why is it a good idea what what are the advantages of of this innovation of quality blogs Um, the quality blog is an hybrid publication format as we see the gap between blog post and article Mm. in scientific journals it can serve both purposes 
making it a potential pilot project for future journals or an evolutionary step from academic research broad. While quality blogs involve higher creation and maintenance cost than conventional blogs, they are notably more affordable than launching a scientific journal. Additionally, it can also be enriched through the use of audio and video, either integrated or accompanying the articles themselves. In summary, these features are dynamic and offer a cost-effective solution for publishing, disseminating, identifying, and preserving research outputs across various disciplines. I think that's very, your emphasis on cost effectiveness is really welcome. Um, I, I wrote online some quite critical comments early on about some thinking about open access, where I think some of the enthusiasts for open access kind of think you can kind of ignore some of the costs of journal publishing and don't fully fully account for them and i think um the fact of life is if you're going to launch a genuine journal that's a very that requires real capital in requires investment so i really welcome that sort of real world emphasis on the on the economics of the print so i'd love to see this innovation uh establish itself i think it could make a a great difference both to the role of consumers, you know, readers and listeners and so on of research, but also I think it could just make life more uh, uh, rich and um, creative for the people that are actually producing research and wanting to communicate research. So I really wish Adventure every good wish. I think it would be fantastic to see this, a quality blog establish itself as a major grey literature form. So, Giovanni and Erica, thank you ever so much. Um, uh, you've given us a beautifully prepared set of responses to the things that I was asking about quality blogs. And I think that's a, a, you've given us an episode which is full of intellectual interest. So, Giovanni and Erica, thank you very much indeed. Well, thank, thank you, Anthony. Thank Thanks. you a lot, Anthony, for the invitation. Thank you. It's been Good a great luck. pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Grey Lit Cafe is edited by Dr. Bart Hallmark and produced by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus specialises in grey literature forms such as proposals, publications, papers and reports. The music is from Handel's Water Music, courtesy of the United States Marine Band and Marine Chamber Orchestra. Mm-hmm.